Well, here we are. The big day has finally arrived. And of course, the big question is, will the country choose continued prosperity or will they choose gridlock and division? It's really as simple as that. And the Democrat and media strategy here to defeat Trump, because this really is all about Trump, is very clear. It's becoming exceedingly clear. And that is they're targeting the middle of the road voters. You see, the, the, the people who shape the elections are generally not the hardcore on either side. They know that the hardcore leftists are going to vote Democrat and for the most part will come out and vote. The people who shape the elections are the swing voters. How do you get those people? See, Russia collusion. You have not heard a word about Mueller for many weeks. Partially that's Mueller's own doing, but the media has, is staying far away because that may get the radicals on board, but that actually turns off a lot of independents and a lot of people who are kind of moderate and open-minded. They can't talk about the economy. That's not going to work can't talk about unemployment or securing our borders. So what they're doing is they are demonizing Trump. Trump is a nationalist. Trump is a race baiter. Trump is, is divisive and he causes fear. He's a fear mongerer and he causes divisiveness. That is what they're trying to paint Trump as figuring that people who say, you know, I like a good economy and I like to have low taxes and I like the idea of securing our border. Oh yeah, but Trump's a bad guy. The last thing I want to do is support somebody like him. His tweets are offensive. He's a racist. He's a bully. That's the strategy. And you know what? It's all they have, but it actually is, unfortunately, probably the smartest strategy they can use right now. And maybe it's working. The New York Times headline today, Trump closes out a campaign built on fear, anger, and division. Now, I looked through the article. I'm looking for fear, anger, and division. But I don't see any of that. I just see Trump warning people what the Democrats stand for. The Democrats admit that they stand for higher taxes. The Democrats admit that they stand for having a loose border policy, whether it's open borders on the extreme side or whether it's just, you know, uh, not securing our borders and letting people roam free and... Uh, catch and release policies, whatever it is, but that's the Democrat stance. And somehow that's fear, anger, and division. Here's a quote from the Times. Trump's campaign was built on dark themes of fear, nationalism, and racial an animosity. So these are the words, the catch words. This is not an op-ed piece. This is supposed to be the news. Dark themes of fear, nationalism. How is it fear telling people that the Democrats allow immigrants to come here illegally? That's fear? I mean, yeah, it's fear because we're going to be afraid of that. But it's factual. You know, he's not trying to say that the Democrats are going to come into your houses, invade your homes, and pull people out of the He's not doing any of that. He's just simply stating the facts. But that's fear-mongering, you know? And then they say it's an effort to salvage Republican control of Congress salvage Republican control? The Republicans are in control of everything at this point. By the way, there are a bunch of governor's races, which, which actually may go Democrat. So a lot of on the state level, that's something to keep an eye on. But you know, they're, they're making it like the, the Republicans already lost and they're making it like Trump is evil. You know, so what's he supposed to, you know, if you talk about Democrats wanting to raise taxes and wanting to overregulate businesses, then you're fear mongering. If you talk about people coming across the border illegally, then you're a racist. So you basically can't say anything. You, Trump's supposed to go and say, I want you to vote Republican, even though there's nothing to be afraid of. If you elect the Democrats, that's perfectly fine. Everything's going to be great, but you should still vote Republican. But for no particular reason. I, like, I don't get it. And by the way, the Democrats do the same fear-mongering on their end. Republicans want to take away health care. You notice Florida is neck and neck. It's unbelievably close. you got the senator race there, former Governor Rick Scott. You've got the governor race there. A lot of House races in Florida that are very, very tight. 
Florida should not be that close, but it's because there are so many seniors down there, and the Democrats have them terrified that Republicans are going to take away all their programs and and come take take away their savings and just confiscate everything they own. You know, we talk about fear mongering. All right, my advice: number one, just vote. Go out and vote for somebody. And they're saying the weather is actually going to have an impact. We'll get to that in a moment. But, you know, it doesn't matter who you vote for. You can write your own name in, write your friend's name in, write in Trump's name, every single section. You know, vote for Trump as a write-in candidate for the local school board. It doesn't matter. They just need to see that we came out and voted in large numbers. You know, maybe it matters. I'm not saying that it never matters. But for the most part, the New York, New Jersey area, you know, they're going to go Democrat depending on what district you're in. If your vote counts, then great. Go for it. But the point is that they need to see that we cast a ballot. And just enjoy it now, because relish the moment, because tomorrow we may, we may be all very disappointed. So enjoy the process right now. Now, rain and severe weather is an issue in a lot of districts. Now, who does that favor? Fascinating that, historically speaking, the experts say rain and bad weather favors the Republicans. When the weather is bad, the Democrats are the ones who tend to stay home more than Republicans. Why is that? So the Democrats tell you that the reason is because Republicans, they have more wherewithal to get to the ballots. They can get to the polling places. They have cars. They're wealthy. So they have transportation and they can get around. It's very hard to believe that in this day and age, anybody you know can't get a couple of miles away to their local voting district or wherever they're voting by bus or by Uber or some other way. Look, I, I know Uber's only for the wealthy people. You're telling me that all Republicans are just so wealthy they can figure out how to get to vote, get out to vote in the rain, but Democrats can't. But the real reason is, and some people on the, on the left concede this, that Republicans are actually more passionate. They actually feel more strongly. You know, remember, a lot of Republicans, it has to do with their religious values. For Republicans, it's not just about, you know, uh, uh, electing a candidate that they like, or it's not just about, say, you know, looking at this evil Republican and saying, look at this racist, you know, this evil candidate. I've got to go out and stop them. It's actually about fundamental beliefs and ideology. So when you believe in something that strongly, you're going to manage to brave the weather and brave the rain and maybe brave, you know, even more severe weather in order to get out and vote because you view it as a very, very fundamental, important thing to do. Now, people are saying this is the most important election in your lifetime. You know, I really don't buy that. I've been hearing that for many, many, many years. Every election is the most important election. Well, the last election was, and the election Obama, you know, 2008, that was certainly, and the one post 9-11, which actually was, by the way, that's actually the most important election in our lifetime, was probably 2004, you know, because we were still, people forget, we were still at war in Afghanistan, at war with al-Qaeda, you know, and then, of course, ISIS was building up and so many other terror cells. And George Bush, you know, did, and Baruch Hashem, of course, Chaste Hashem, that, you know, of course, controlling all these things. But, uh, you know, a lot of the leadership in the United States uh, did a great job with, of course, the help of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, uh, to be able to, 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 to stop and prevent a lot of future attacks. You know, interestingly, probably the most important election, we didn't know it, was in 2000. I actually believe that if Al Gore had been elected and not Bush, his response to 9-11 would have been totally different. Who knows? So is it the most important election in our lifetime? Look, it's hard to believe. You know, either way, I mean, Trump, Trump is in office, right? He's in power. So even if the Democrats take control... They're very, very limited. You know, two years ago, that was an extremely important election. Now, Trump at a rally said, quote, I do eventually want to unite. 
<laughs> eventually, he wants to unite the country. Here's the quote. I do eventually want to unite, but the fact is we're driving them crazy. They're going loco. Talking about the Democrats on the other side. They're going loco. And, by, and then he says, by the way, is there anything like a Trump rally? These Trump rallies, they really are. They're like so powerful. They're electric. It's unbelievable the kind of crowds that he draws and, you know, the, the excitement, the electricity, the, the passion in the air. And it's like all these other politicians, they look at Trump on both sides. Paul Ryan looks at Trump, Lindsey Graham, Jeb Bush, and they say, how does he do it? How does he attract these droves, these hordes of people? And how does he get them to be so emotional? I mean, the way they look at him, you know, they, they, they look at him as like a superhuman figure. And they don't understand how. And here's the irony. The irony is that Trump's secret is not only staring them in the face, but it's the thing they don't like about him. They're so scripted and everything is predictable, you know, and, and, and everything is already planned in advance. They don't really say what's on their mind. They say what they're supposed to say and they get into establishment politics and it's all just a bunch of empty rhetoric. They, 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 they never want to actually talk about their own personal beliefs, talk about themselves, give you a little humanity. And that's all what Trump is all about. Trump is about humanity. It's about saying what's on his mind. He doesn't script it. He doesn't write it ahead of time for the most part. He feels like saying something, he tweets it out without asking 17 advisors if it's a good idea. Now, does that way lend itself to going a little bit too far to the other extreme? As we've told you many times, perhaps it does. But at the same time, that is the secret to having these crowds of people, millions and millions of people who view him as somebody who can really represent them because they see him as a person who actually thinks like they do and actually is not afraid to say what's really on his mind. All right, let's get to some other news here. Uh, big news for New York City. It seems that Amazon, Amazon, of course, is building their second headquarters. And the big question is, all these different states and cities are courting them, trying to get them to come to their city or state. And it seems like they're going to split it into two. That's at least what they're close to deciding on now, according to reports. Half of it's going to be in Long Island City, which is in Queens, New York, and the other half is going to be in Virginia. This is what they're saying. Anyway, what's funny about this is that Governor Andrew Cuomo, it seems, had a big part of this, of attracting Amazon, offering them all sorts of perks to come to New York, and he says he'd give anything. He says he's so desperate, it'll be such a boost to the economy. He's right, by the way. Very uh, capitalist thinking there on the part of Cuomo. He says, I'll give them whatever they want. If they want me to change my name from Andrew to Amazon, I'll call, I'll call myself Amazon Cuomo. No problem. I thought that was very, very funny. All right. Uh, some interesting news here about Democrats' plans to raise taxes. This is Grover Nordquist, of course, the big tax expert. And he says that if Democrats take control, they're going to try to raise five different taxes. And this is only what they're admitting. Who knows what they're planning behind the scenes? Top personal income tax rate. They want to basically raise taxes on the rich. So top personal income tax rate will go to 39.6%. Remember, Trump cut that and simplified that whole code. That would be a major blow to many households and small businesses. See, small businesses, they end up in this in this tax bracket, many of them, and they're not making a lot of money. They're owned by middle class people, and this, of course, would be very crushing to them. He, they also want to raise 
the corporate income tax 30%. They want to raise it back up to 27%. Of course, they want to basically uh, minimize or reduce the effect of the Trump tax cuts. Now, you look how well the economy is doing. You look how much more money people are making and how well these businesses are prospering as and, and households and regular families as a result of the Trump tax cuts. And the Democrats are saying, vote for us. We want to raise these taxes. You know, they also want to raise the gun tax, the death tax, the carbon tax. Now, I want to clarify something. I got a couple of calls saying that I sounded as though I was somehow condoning these Americans, these white males who commit these heinous, heinous, horrific shooting sprees. You know, we're talking about the contrast between Islamic extremists who go and massacre people versus white male Americans. And, you know, I made the point that, you know, some of them may be mentally ill. I never meant to suggest they're mentally ill in the sense that it's condonable behavior in the sense that it's some that somehow uh, minimizes what they do or that in any way makes it any less of an act of evil. These people, let me be very clear, they are evil, they are subhuman, they are monsters. They deserve to rot in prison for the rest of their lives. Maybe they deserve the death penalty. They deserve the most severe punishment imaginable. They are the most evil people on the planet. And you know, when I, I meant, my only point was, you know, I'm not a psychiatrist and I'm not diagnosing them. My point is they're not doing it because it's a religious doctrine of theirs. They're doing it as an isolated incident because they snap. And again, I don't mean snap and therefore somehow in any way it could be excused. My point is it's not a mass movement. It's not an ideology. It's just something personal to them, which is a very fundamental difference between them and Islamic extremists. All right. On that note, um, many, many Jews in the United States are signing up for training courses on how to shoot guns. Hundreds of Jews have rushed and, and, and to, to, to take training courses. They want to learn how to defend themselves with a gun. So there's a private company called the Cherev Gidon Israeli Tactical Training Academy, and they do give classes in the United States, in Pennsylvania and Arizona, and they've been contacted by hundreds of people since the Pittsburgh massacre, and they've been inundated with requests asking people, uh, people asking for training. They want to know, A, how to use a gun. They want to know uh, how to use it if there was an active shooting situation, in a shul or in a public place. They want to know how to defend themselves. So very interesting, and we have to have that debate, of course, with the whole election midterm situation. You know, we haven't really had a chance to dive into that. But Amir Tzashem, in the coming weeks, we're going to have that conversation. How do we dis- defend ourselves? How do we defend shuls, yeshivas, schools, other places? And, uh, you know, how do we respond to this Pittsburgh attack? All right. Happy Election Day, everybody. And, of course, Bli uh, Neder, I will have a very late night update letting you know the results when they come in. And we will see you next time.